Let me, uh, let me before we get into the word, let me just share this with you. In Exodus chapter 25, God called Moses to come and build the tabernacle for him. God says that the reason why I want this tabernacle built is so that I can, I can dwell among my people. And so it had to be built according to the pattern that God had showed him while they were in the mountain. And every part of that tabernacle is considered holy. The, the, the materials that, that was used to build the tabernacle, all of the furnishings that were in the tabernacle, all was considered holy and consecrated and set apart for God's purpose. And it can't be used for anything other than for God's purpose. And the glory of the Lord rested above the tabernacle day and night. And whenever the, the glory of the Lord moved, the children of Israel would pack up their stuff and move with it. That's how they were led. We are under a new dispensation, under a new covenant. And according to 1 Corinthians 6, 19, the Bible says that we are the temple of the Holy Spirit. That means that God chose this Satan-ruled, weak, fleshly, mortal body and made it his holy sanctuary. And every part of this sanctuary has been made holy. Every part of this sanctuary has been consecrated and set apart for God's purpose. And not one of this part of the sanctuary can be used for nothing else except for God's purpose. And the glory of the Lord does not rest above the tabernacle, but he rests in the tabernacle. So that the glory of the Lord can shine through his people and magnify himself through this tabernacle. And what I love about that is that even though in the Old Testament with all of the sin that took place in the world, God still wanted to be a part of their lives and still wanted to dwell among them. Even though they had to go through a period, a process of sacrifices and everything else, but he still wanted to be among them. But I thank God that he can live inside of us because he took care of the sin problem. And so now he enjoys an intimate and personal relationship with his people, dwelling in us and not just among us. And his glory rests inside of us. Isn't that wonderful? That is so powerful. I, I, man, I just couldn't, when the Lord showed me that, I said, man, thank you, Lord. It just gives me a greater appreciation of who I am in Christ. Amen. Amen. I just thought I'd share that with you. Well, before we get into the word, let's just pray. Father, we thank you so much for all that you're doing in our lives. Father, we just give you thanks for everything. Thank you, Lord God, for this day. Thank you, Lord God, for the provisions you've provided for us. Thank you, Lord God, for the air to breathe. Thank you, Father, for a house like this, Lord, that we can come and worship you. Thank you, Lord, for the brothers and sisters that we can come and fellowship with. Father, we thank you for your word tonight. We ask, Father God, that you 
show up, Lord God, and, and speak through me. Use my lips to bring forth your word. Let your purpose and will be fulfilled tonight. Speak into our lives. Speak into our very spirit, man, Father. Make us alive, Father. Stir something up inside of us, Lord God, and change lives. Change our thinking. Change our circumstances by the power of your word. And Father, we thank you, Lord God, as we honor you tonight. You are the greatest preacher there is. And Lord, we welcome you tonight to preach and teach tonight through this vessel, this holy sanctuary that you chose to live in. And Lord, for this, we thank you and we praise you. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. In the last couple of weeks, um, Pastor John has been teaching a tremendous message on faith. And just last Saturday, uh, Sunday, he taught on being a doer of the word and, and the importance of applying the word of God. Um, Pastor Joseph, last Wednesday, talked about the uniqueness of the Bible, the uniqueness of his word. Well, I, I want to continue along those lines because tonight I want to talk to you Well. I'm getting a little bit ahead of myself. Let me just start off with this. Back in March of 2003, most of you remember when that was the month that our country went to war with Iraq. How many of you remember that? Yeah. And while they were still deciding whether we should invade Iraq or not, one night the decision was made and it was reported that the president at the time was George Bush gave a call and gave this command, this order. Using two simple words, let's go. That's it. Just two simple words. And upon those two words, the United States and all of its coalition left for Iraq and invaded Iraq and, you know, the rest is all history. But what I want to share with you, what I want to ask you is this. What is it about those two words that was so powerful enough to send the most powerful military force in the world to a country like Iraq. What is it about these two words that can set the military in motion just by speaking it? Well, the reason for that is because it came out of the lips of the most powerful person in this country, which is the President of the United States, who is also the Commander-in-Chief. So when he uttered those two words, let's go, the military acted. And so he is considered to be the most important and most powerful person in this country. So therefore, when he speaks those words, all the power that that, that office holds stands behind him. And so, of course, you know the rest of the history. We came in, we, we, we took notes, and we kicked. You know the rest. But all because of those two words. My message tonight is about the power of God's word. And I think that we can learn to appreciate the word of God and the power that's behind that word. I think that when we begin to read the Bible, we'll begin to read it a lot differently than we have before. Because it's not something we can, we don't take this book and then read it like it was a novel. I mean, you can read other books and you get information and you can get entertainment. Whether it's a history book, whether it's a novel, or it's a comic book. But this book is more than just any book. It's, it's life. Here we can gain life. Here we can get uh, power. We can get faith. We get so many things from this word. 
But tonight I want to focus and concentrate more on the power of God's word. So go with me to Isaiah chapter 55, and we'll begin reading from there. Isaiah chapter 55. <clears throat> One of the great statements that the Bible makes about itself in this particular chapter is it, it, just remarkable. And another thing that you can also learn from, uh, from these passages of Scripture that we're about to read about the power of God's word. Isaiah 55. Beginning verse 10. For as the rain cometh down. And the snow from heaven. And return not thither. But watereth the earth. And make it, forth, make it to bring forth fruit and bud. That it may give seed to the sower. And bread to the eater. So shall my word be. That go forth out of my mouth. It shall not return unto me void, but it shall accomplish that which I please, and it shall prosper in the thing whereto I sent it. Now it's interesting how God uses rain and snow to describe the effectiveness of his word. He says when the rain and the snow falls from the sky, it doesn't just, it doesn't just fall to the ground, but it falls with a sense of purpose. Because he goes on to say that as the rain falls, it doesn't go back up. Now, as long as I've been living on this earth, I've never seen rain and snow fall, to the, fall down and, and not hit the ground. Have anyone seen that? But as he was saying, as the rain and the snow falls to the ground, it waters the earth. So there's purpose with water and snow. And so as the, the rain and the snow is watering the earth... It's causing the earth to grow and bring forth much fruit. Tremendous and abundant vegetation. So that there be seed for the sower and there be bread for the eater. And he said, so shall my word be like the rain that falls from the sky. My word, when it comes forth from out of my mouth, it will not come back to me empty or void. But he says, it will accomplish what I please. It will prosper wherever I send it. Another translation is, it will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. So what we see here is the word of God is unstoppable. When it's released from his mouth, you can't stop it. How many of you ever seen rain being hindered or being prevented from falling down? Is there any way you can do that? Is there any way that you can prevent rain from falling? I don't know if any, I, I don't know. All I know is that whenever I stand out in that rain, I have to use an umbrella, otherwise I get drenched. Because I can't stop the rain from coming. When God speaks forth his word, it's not coming back. It's going to fulfill his purpose. One of the things that we learn about this passage of scripture is that his word is purposeful. There's a plan behind his word. So when he sends it out, it, it, it's going to accomplish something. Whatever it may be, it's going to accomplish something. So I want you to hold on to that. I want you to think about that. So we see that the word of God cannot be frustrated or stopped. 
once it's been spoken. Think about that. I like what Job said in, in the last chapter of chap, in 40, chapter 42, verse 2, the very last chapter of the book. After God had got through teaching him his lesson on his awesome power, Job made this confession. He said, I know, God, you can do all things. No plan of yours can be thwarted or cut off. Isaiah said something similar to that in Isaiah chapter 14 and verse 27. He said, for the Lord of hosts has planned, and who can frustrate it? And as for his stretched out hand, who can turn it back? So what we see here is, in a, is, the, is the unstoppable power of God's word. Once it's spoken, it's not coming back. But if it, but if it lands where it's supposed to land, it's going to accomplish something. In the same way that the rain and the snow fall to the ground, watering the earth, bringing forth much fruit. Imagine what the word of God will do wherever it lands. And I hope tonight that the word of God will land in your spirit so that your spirit can grow and bring forth much fruit as well. When the writers of the scriptures wanted to illustrate the power of God or the awesome power of God, they always referred to the creation of God. I don't know about you, but the greatest demonstration of power is when God created the heavens and the earth. Go with me to Psalm 33. Give you an example. Psalm chapter 33. Glory be to God. In Psalm 33, beginning verse 6, it's a very familiar verse. We heard this last week when Pastor John was preaching. It says, By the word of the Lord the heavens were made, and by the breath of his mouth all their host. Now look down in verse 9. For he spoke, and it was done. He commanded, and it stood fast. So because God spoke, creation came into existence. What God decrees, what God commands, happens. So to be able to speak the world into existence is the one of the most greatest power of all, of all time. It's beyond our imagination. Listen to this. There's a phrase that theologians use to describe the creative act of God when he tries to create the, the, the universe out of nothing. This term is called creation ex nihilo, which is a Latin term, which means from nothing or out of nothing. And this term refers to God's supernatural power the moment he creates something out of nothing. Genesis 1.1 says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. But prior to that, there was nothing. So in other words, when God created something out of nothing... He didn't have to use some pre-existent building blocks in order to build or create the universe. There are many creative people here, I'm sure, with tremendous creative abilities. 
Some of you may have a creative ability to do flowers, put flowers together. Some of you have creative ability to make a dress. Others have creative abilities to paint a portrait. Others have creative abilities to build something. But let me ask you this. With all the creative abilities that you have, are you able to create a beautiful floral, I don't know, what do you call those things? Floral arrangements without flowers. Can you? Are you able to build a shed or a house without wood? Are you able to make a dress without patterns and materials? No. You need something in order to use your creative abilities to put all that together. God does not need any raw materials to create the universe. He doesn't need something to build something or to create something because he has the power to create something out of nothing. As a matter of fact, God just doesn't create something out of nothing. He creates everything out of nothing. Amen. Look at Jeremiah chapter 32. Verse 17 says, Our Lord God, behold, thou hast made the heaven and the earth by thy great power, and stretch out the arm, and there's nothing too hard for you. Now, I love this, especially the last part of that verse. If God, who can create something out of nothing, create this whole universe without any raw materials, just by simply speaking life into existence, how much more can God do for us? He says, there's nothing that is difficult for you. Nothing is too hard for you. That's encouraging because that encourages my prayer life. Because I know that I can go to God and pray for whatever I need prayer for and know that nothing's too difficult for God. He's the creator of heaven and earth. Go with me to Romans chapter 4. Romans chapter 4. I like what the Apostle Paul writes. He makes a great statement here uh, in this letter to the Roman church about God's power. While he's talking about Abraham, when God promised Abraham a child, even though Abraham and Sarah were old and could not have children. He says in verse 17, As it is written, A father of many nations have I made you, in the presence of him whom he believed, even God, who gives life to the dead and calls into being that which does not exist. The literal meaning or the literal translation of that is that God calls the non-existing thing as existing. That God calls the non-existing thing as existing. 
Go with me quickly to Genesis chapter 18. Hope you don't mind turning all to these pages. Genesis chapter 18. God calls those things which be not as though they were. Genesis 18 and verse 10. It says, Then the Lord said, I will surely return to you. Now this is God speaking to Abraham. And he says, I will surely return to you about this time next year. And Sarah, your wife, Sarah, your 90-year-old wife, Sarah, your 90-year-old wife, whose womb is dead, your wife will have a son. Now go back to one chapter, chapter 17. Once again, God talking to Abraham. And he says in verse 5, Nor shall your name any longer be Abram, but your name shall be Abraham, for I have made you the father of many nations. What I love about God is that instead of making a promise that he will make him a father of many nations, God speaks as though it was already done. Did you get that? He doesn't just make you a promise that he's going to do this. He's going to act as though it was already done. It already happened. So when God calls those things as, that be not as though they were, as far as you're concerned, as far as God's concerned, it's already done. Today I, had a, I, I went to see my doctor because there were some issues. And, um, you know, it, it was a serious thing. So I went today, went to the procedure that I had to go through. And studying these scriptures, you know, the Bible says that by the stripes of Jesus, we were healed. We're healed. So as far as God is concerned, it's already been done. So my faith going into there, into the doctor and letting him do all the procedure. You know, it's, a matter, it's funny too because preparing for this and then also going to see my doctor and then wondering what the results are going to be because the results, I mean, the, the test only lasts for a couple of minutes but then the results I was going to get right there. But I was more concerned on putting this together than I was with the doctor's report. And I say, hmm, that's, that seems backwards, but it's really not. Because as far as God is concerned, I'm healed. God calls those things that be not as though they were. God made me a promise that I walk in divine health. So he just, he's not just making me a promise. He's talking to me as though it's already been done. So I can walk in that good health because the Bible says I will live long life and good days. So that is my confession to live long life and good days so that it can be well with me. Praise the Lord. Needless to say, the report was good. No life-threatening situations. Whatever it was, it was treatable. Praise the Lord. And here I am today to testify of the wonders of God. Simply because He promised me long life and good health. Praise the Lord. 
Let me give you another example in the Bible. Go with me to Luke chapter 1. See, another example of the power of God's word on display. But in this case, it's even in a greater way because it deals with the birth of his son. Luke chapter 1. You know, that's why I, I encourage every one of you to really take the time to, not just to read the word like it was some, like a devotional. I mean, there's nothing wrong with that. But we need to take the time to study his word so that we can know what he says and so that we can claim the promises that he makes in his word. Listen, it, it's good to have the Bible to read, but this word is meant to be in here so that we can become a living testimony, a walking Bible. So that whenever we face challenges, the Spirit of God will stir up in our hearts and our spirit man the verses and the promises of God that we need to to stand on. And so I really want to encourage you to really do that. And if you haven't been doing it, start tonight. Luke chapter 1, beginning verse 26, says, In the sixth month, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. And Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will be with child and give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus. And he will be great. And will be called the son of the most high. The Lord God will give him the throne of, the, of, his father's, of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. His kingdom will never end. How will, and then of course she responds. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin. The news apparently stunned her. Because the angel is saying you will have a child. But not just any child. And in her mind, I say, this, can't, this, this can't be happening. This is impossible. I'm a virgin. I've known no man. I've saved myself until I got married. So how can this possibly be? Then the angel answered, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Now, in verse 36 even Elizabeth, your relative or your cousin, is going to have a child in her old age. And listen to what he says. And she, who was said to be barren, is in her sixth month of pregnancy. Now, I don't know why the angel Gabriel just threw that in there. But isn't it something that it's almost like he was trying to encourage her? Saying, listen, we're going to cause you to bear a child, even in your virginity. And while she's wondering how this is going to happen, he said, listen, your cousin Elizabeth who was old, who couldn't have children, is in her sixth month. And look at how he responds. Verse 37. For nothing is impossible with God. (laughs) Glory be to God. So I just thought that was funny how he just threw that in there. Elizabeth had nothing to do with this. But then all of a sudden he just threw that in there. Listen, 
while we're talking about this, let me just remind you that Elizabeth, your cousin, is also having a child. And remember how they used to say she was barren and couldn't have any? Well, she's in her sixth month now. That just goes to show that no matter what anybody tell you, God should have his far, the final word in your life. So if somebody told you you can't do it, what does God say? If someone said you cannot have this, what does God say? Go to the word and let the word be the final authority in your life. So here we have an incredible passage of scripture that tells of the angel of, the, of Gabriel announcing this wonderful word from God that Mary is going to have a baby. One of the greatest miracles. And the reason why this is such a miracle, and granted that Sarah had a baby and she was 90 years old. Wonderful miracle. Great, great miracle. An impossibility. Elizabeth was the same way. But they both had husbands. And they both had children by human conception. Whereas Mary, it was by supernatural conception. She was a virgin. That makes it even greater miracle. So nothing is impossible with God. Now the word nothing, watch this. The word nothing here actually means not any word. So in Luke 137, it should read, not any word will be impossible. The idea here is that no word that comes, that God speaks, is too hard for God. Let me say that again. Every word that God speaks is not too hard for Him to fulfill. So the fact that Mary was a virgin was not an obstacle to God. The fact that Sarah, who was old, 90 years of age, and her womb was dead, that was not an obstacle for God. I like the story that Pastor John has been teaching on in the story of David and Goliath. And um, here you have a young boy facing a huge giant of a man, 10 times taller than he was. The odds were greatly against him. And the stakes were high because the Philistines challenged Israel to a one-on-one -on -one duel, winners take all. The problem was that Israel had no one to represent them to face this giant. The king wouldn't do it. The army of Israel wouldn't do it. Nobody except David, a young shepherd boy. Never, never got trained in, in, in military tactics don't understand anything about the arts of war, was never trained in weaponry, never seen a battlefield, have no combat experience, but yet he was the only one that was willing to face the giant. But to God, David was not an obstacle or a, a liability. Whenever you face odds like that, the greater the odds, the greater the power. When God saw David, who was the only one in Israel to stand up to this giant, God didn't see an obstacle or liability. What he saw was an opportunity to fulfill his purpose. Amen. Anytime we face great odds, it's an opportunity for God to fulfill his purpose. Always remember that. So we have a young teenage boy and the only weapon he knew was some stones, 
in a slingshot. But that didn't bother God. Because you see, he had a purpose. And when he speaks forth his word, it's going to accomplish what he pleases. It's going to prosper wherever he sends it. And also keep in mind that God had called David to be king. But that wasn't for several years down the road. But up until now, he still had a job as a shepherd boy. But it doesn't matter. Anytime you have great odds, it's an opportunity for God to fulfill his purpose. Amen. So God can do anything. You know, we read in the Bible and we study the Bible and we, and we learn how God can do just about anything. We, see, we read about his great uh, exploits. And one of the things that I want to point out to you is that when you see this and you read about this and you believe it, but yet nothing seems to be changing in our lives. We know that God can do anything, but yet things are still the same in your place of employment. Things still are the same in your marriage. Things are still the same in your health. Why is that? Well, let me remind you that God does not need anything to bring into existence what he chooses to bring into existence. That's when we need to remember that God does not need anything to do his work. Because he is a God that can take something or take nothing and make something. So, if your marriage is not where it should be, or your health is not where it should be, or you don't have a job, or you're in a job, but you feel like you're stuck and there's no advancement, God can create something out of nothing whether it's in your job, whether it's in your marriage. Several years ago, before I came on staff, I was working at a job, and I was there for almost 18 years. And, um, and it got to a point where I wanted something different. I needed to change. I wanted something a little more challenging, something with a little bit of pay, with the same type of benefits. And every time I would, if a position would come up in that place, I would apply for it, but I would never get selected. And it was getting very frustrated because I felt in my heart that a change was coming, but I didn't know what it was. And so, praying and, and, and asking God to help me, Lord, I mean, I'm getting tired of this job, Lord, I, I, I'm getting fed up, I'm, come, I'm going to work frustrated. And it was, it was not a good place to be. But again, I, I still felt that a change was coming. But I just didn't know what or when. And I know my wife would always pray, well, honey, don't worry. I, God can create a position for you. And you know what? That's exactly what happened. But it just wasn't for me. I would see position just recreated. I mean, just for, to accommodate certain people in the job, in the place, in the workplace. But nothing for me. And so my prayer was, Lord, create a position for me that's good for my, my, my talents and my abilities. Something meaningful, something challenging. And man, it's frustrating because years go on and, and, and it's like God is not hearing you. How many of you know what I'm talking about? But not long after that, and as a matter of fact, I got to a point in my life where I was so frustrated coming into, into the job that it was just wasn't very good. 
And as a believer and as a Christian, I, I couldn't do that. So I had to pray and ask God, Lord, whatever your will is, if this is where you want me to be for the rest of my life and retire here, then I will do that and I will be the best worker I can possibly be. But if there is something else there, Lord, if there's some change, then please, Lord, please let it happen. It wasn't too long after that when I was approached and asked to come on staff. And let me tell you, in my heart, in my spirit, I knew I was called of God. And I even felt in my heart that this was the place that I was going to be. But, I, I, you know, it's not that I'm just trying to be arrogant or anything like that, but it's what I felt. But at the same time, I said, no, that can't possibly be. I mean, Faith Christian Center, a church of 90 to 100 to 1,000 people. How can I be? How, there's no place for me. There was no opening here. Nevertheless, when I was approached, asked to come on staff, found out later that it was already in the works three years before. Not realizing that all this was happening. But God can create positions wherever. Nothing is too difficult for God. And he answered my prayer and he created a position for me here at Faith Christian Center. And though whether I deserve it or not, all I know is the grace of God came through for me. But he also demonstrated that God can create anything. So if, 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 you're, if you're out of a job, believe that God can create a position for you. If your marriage is not where it should be, believe that God can create restoration and healing in your marriage. But just believe that God can create something out of nothing. God can create everything out of nothing. One of the other things that I want to share with you before we close is that God sees something, or God can see something, where you see nothing. Let me say that again. God can see something where you can see nothing. When I was praying and asking God for a position or, or, or a job or whatever, Lord, anything, just change, change this location, change my job, take me somewhere else. Even though I felt in my heart that there was change that was coming, I couldn't see it. Even though God was showing me that everything's going to be okay, I'm working things out. I couldn't see it. You know, have you ever been there where you're praying and praying and asking God for something, but it doesn't seem like, Lord, how is this going to happen? I can't understand how this could possibly happen. I can't even envision how this could happen. But see, God can see something where you can't see anything. The Bible says that God can see what's ahead before you and I were ever born. See, God is a God of vision. He can see what's ahead in your life, even though you and I cannot see it. But if he knows what's ahead for us, wouldn't it be easier for us if we could just learn to trust him? Wouldn't it be easier if we could just rest in him rather than just getting all stressed, worrying? It's just so much easier if we just learn to trust God 
place our, our, our very lives in his hand and say, Lord, just take me where you want to take me. No matter how much the challenges may be. But Lord, I know I can trust you. Your word is, it, it prevails. You can create all things. You can create positions for me. You can create a protection for me. You can do whatever you want because you have the power. But imagine the word inside of you. Imagine what that creative power of God's word can do in your life. Imagine what it can create inside of you when you feed on the word and then act upon the word. Imagine what kind of person you would be. A mighty man and woman of God. I see, I believe that. I believe that. Because I believe that the word is alive. The word has sustaining power. Everything that God creates, he sustains. He upholds. He bears. He carries. Man, that's a, that's a wonderful thing. And so it's a father who, who has a child. And now he carries his child in his arms, protecting the child, loving the child, comforting the child, making sure the child doesn't fall, making sure the child is warm and doesn't get cold. That's the God we serve. Amen. The power of God's word. You know, I, I put all these notes together and got about nine pages and I can't believe I've gone through them all already. But you know what? Let me just leave you with this one last thought. How many of you believe that plants can actually grow by speaking to it? How many of you actually, how many of you actually speak to plants? That, that's okay. You can raise your hand. It's okay. Science, science say that it's a proven fact that plants actually do grow by speaking to it. Right? Now, here's why. Because we as humans, we breathe in oxygen. But we breathe out what they call carbon dioxide. And that's what plants feed off of. And science show that when you come close to a plant and begin to speak to it, it absorbs the carbon dioxide. And all that carbon dioxide that comes out of you, out of your mouth, when you breathe, that plant absorbs and is receiving all the good nutrition from that, from your breath. Do you know that? Well... If human words have the power to help sustain a plant, what do you think can happen when the word goes out from God's mouth into your life, into your spirit? Can you imagine what could happen? If plants can grow just by speaking to it, how much can we grow when God speaks to us? Amen. Amen. If God can plant a seed... In a virgin's womb, imagine what God can do with us. That's the power of his word. Amen.